Charles Haddon Spurgeon said, Give yourself unto reading. The man who never reads will never be read. He who never quotes will never be quoted. He who will not use the thoughts of other men's brains proves that he has no brains of his own. My guest in this episode has applied that practical wisdom better than most any other young man I've known. He epitomizes the truth of the saying that readers are leaders. And it's been my great privilege to watch him lead his wife and his children and a young church in the wisdom he's gained through reading. Through wisdom is in-house builded, and by understanding it is established. And by knowledge shall the chambers be filled with all precious and pleasant riches. Hi friends, welcome to the Treasure Box Books Podcast. I'm your host, Nathan Ching, a redeemed child of God, happy husband and homeschooling dad, and lifelong lover of good books. Fellow dad, are you eager to fill your children's hearts with truth and faith and wisdom and courage? Do you long to build growing, lasting, God-centered relationships with your family? If you're ready to inspire and equip your children to walk with God by learning and living together, then come join us on our journey, and let's go find the treasures in books. There's a picture, there's a photo on my wall, less than three feet away from me, right up here. It's a picture of three young men sitting on a stack of canoes, upside down canoes. Yeah. And uh, the picture was taken in 2004 in central Michigan, and sitting on the very bottom is who, at the time, I think was the tallest of the three. And then sitting in the middle was the youngest of the three. Sitting at the top was the shortest of the three. And um, the guy on the right. top would have been me, and I'm still the shortest of the right. three. No doubt. And you're right there in the middle. Okay. And um, you still yeah. had some of that, that youthful chub, which you have lost oh, yeah. completely. Oh, yeah. yeah. That's still an ongoing battle. Yeah. Well, probably all of us. <laughs> I always fight the battle of the bulge. Yeah. Uh, a lot of memories. Yeah. The first time I met you, I think you were eight or nine, and you yeah. were a little guy. I even called you that, didn't I? I called you a little guy. Right. That became the nickname. Yeah. And that has flipped. Uh, I am the little guy now. But anyway, thanks, Jonathan, for coming on the podcast. Yes, sir. Really appreciate it. I've been looking forward to this for a long time. And yeah. I feel privileged. I feel blessed that you are part of my life. When you were very young, you were just a young kid. And of course, no one had any idea how God would use you in future. But he's using you in big ways, not the least of which is leading your family his way. And that's what we're interested in. Before we talk about our topic that's on the show notes, let's allow our listeners to get to know you just a little bit. You and your wife have been married for? Uh, yeah, since 2009. So we are coming up on our 14th anniversary. Very good. And let me just say, man, I'm honored to get to be a guest here on the podcast to be speaking mm, with you. you i definitely was you're talking about when we met it i was nine and i was definitely a fat kid i think <laughs> i've been actively managing my own nutrition and fitness uh ever since i first put off that weight probably around the age of 15 mm -hmm. or so and i mean i think at that age there was a lot of shame wrapped into my identity about mm, that weight yeah but man i'm so thankful for god's providence in my life it's i mean that's a that particular battle is one that always has to be a part of my kind of monthly checkups and stuff yeah but 
grateful for the friendship that spans decades now. Amen. You mentioned that, and my mind actually is thinking right now of some other memories, really good, positive memories. And it just struck me that you played guitar in my wedding for me to sing to my wife. Yeah. And uh, so wonderful memories going back. You have four children. They're each on my prayer list, but I can't remember their, their ages. What is the age range of your kids? Yeah, so we have right now from four to 12 years old. Now, my family and I got to visit you all when you lived in Chiang Mai, Thailand, North Thailand. Is that right? Yes, sir. Yeah. You're a couple of hours from there now. Is that right? Yeah, so we moved to Chiang Mai back in 2013. We did two years of language school in Chiang Mai. And during the course of language school, got connected to a local Thai church planter and ended up kind of partnering with him in another province that was south of Chiang Mai. During that whole time, we began kind of making preparations and then eight years ago moved to the province of Lampoon, Mm. which actually neighbors Chiang Mai on the south. And that allows us to stay close to an international airport and have some of the conveniences, some of the community Mm -hmm. that that affords, while at the same time being in an area that is very much kind of pioneering in nature. Mm -hmm. Amen. Very good. And you've been there about 10 years now? Uh, Yeah, 10 years in Thailand, coming up on eight years with our current church plant right now. Is that right? Wow. Was it about a month ago, I think, you sent that prayer letter out that introduced that family, all baptized, the dad, the mom, and the teenage son? That was such a blessing. And a teenage daughter as well. Mm. Yeah. It's, It's an incredible thing because so often we're dealing with people who are the very first person in their family Mm -hmm. to believe. Mm -hmm. And that comes with a lot of hardships. Yeah. Or alternatively, we're dealing with two Christians in a, in a marriage who are at very different points in their spiritual growth. And it's sort of like trying to put the, screw the cap onto a mug or something. It's just not at the same pace. And it, it's like they're both bound. They're both unable to move because they're not growing at the same pace. Mm-hmm. So it's very cool, very much an answer to prayer to see a family that is following Christ and growing together. Amen. You've actually been involved in missions long before you became a missionary yourself. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, so mom and dad raised their support to move to the Philippines when mom was expecting me. Hmm. Um, But right about the time that I was born, dad took counsel with a number of missionaries in the Philippines and kind of due to the nature of, of how many churches were already being started, how many men were already being trained, the Lord redirected my parents into a supply ministry. Mm-hmm. So we grew up kind of suspended where we, we lived in the States, but dad was in the Philippines quite a bit. We right. got the chance to travel over there several times. Mm. But Lifeline kind of grew into a massive supply operation where there were containers going out for a period of time it was every single month. And over there in the Philippines, there are multiple distribution centers. And it was really a season in which that ministry paired perfectly with the work that God was already, had already been doing in the Philippines to supply so many men who were already at that point prepared to go and do the work of church. Mm, Right. So your dad was shipping Bibles and tracts and hymn books and things of that nature. Anything, anything that missionaries and pastors needed, Right, right, right. Yeah, I think the the focus was on literature. I think that 
it was an impact for churches getting started because there were lots of tracks and materials. Mm. It was an impact for churches that were going because it was resources for pastors, right. for pastors. Eventually, the printing operation over there right. kind of overtook the shipping operation in terms of the size and impact. Mm-hmm. I have one of those it's, books it's right here. Of, it's a unique <laughs> ministry. It's kind of difficult to articulate in, in a short amount of time, like what exactly yeah. it is. But a publications distribution ministry yeah. kind of kind of is a, a good summary. Yeah, there are unique ministries that God raises up at needed times, and I think Lifeline was one of those that just yeah. it really met a need, and it was sure. so unique. And um, I thank the Lord for your father and his influence. And I know he's the first to say he was not a perfect example of anything, but God used him because he was available. And now it's multi-generational, your dad and then now you and your family and and your siblings as well. Uh, With your parents being so involved in missions, how do you think that affected your viewpoint and your feeling about giving and spending your life as a missionary? That's a good question. I think the thought was there in my mother's mind, even before I was born, which is an odd, an odd thing to say, because I wouldn't call that a factor whatsoever in the decisions and, and the leading of the Holy Spirit that has brought me to this point in my life. Mm. But I would definitely say, like, having some experience in missions makes it not seem really far-fetched to, to think of moving over. I think that I came into the process with a very strong understanding of what deputation is and how that works Mm. which was tremendously helpful in that process yeah understanding international travel differences in the pace of life on the you know in in different cultures how to navigate cultural differences the longer i'm here the more i appreciate how much of that i was gifted as a kid because Mm. i had experienced that in in those various ways in the philippines yeah Amen. We stand on big shoulders. Right. None of us, none For of sure. us who's, who's got any hint of wisdom would claim that we are self-made. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. I love how you honor your parents Seriously. with how they impacted your life. And I tell my kids often, I want God to bless you. And he promises to bless children who honor their parents. I said, I don't want you to honor and obey me for my sake. Mm-hmm. I want you to honor me for your sake. Because God can't bless you if you don't honor your parents. But if you do, God will bless you. you know, I see that in your wife as well. I see that in you and, and your, your brothers as well. We certainly have an appreciation for the heritage we've been given. And uh, do we want to carry that forward for sure in, in serving the Lord. Amen. Were there any specific books that you remember that were influential in your thinking, in your heart, that helped to either open your understanding of missions or increase your desire to be a missionary and along with that i remember that your mother read to you guys all the time i mean it seemed like whenever i visited your home just about yeah. every day she was reading something to you and it seemed like many of those were were missionary biographies yeah you know i think the first time that i personally felt a pull towards missions for myself and and really i i framed it as a commitment i had a real sense of commitment from the time i was maybe six years old hmm. and some of that came from just being around missionaries, having missionaries in our home, mm. and then being around missionaries on the field in the Philippines and seeing the way they operated. The other side of that, for sure, was hearing mom read aloud. And whenever we had kind of tasks that we were doing, 
where we could be in one place while doing that task, which happened to be quite a lot when I was a kid. <laughs> um, Mom was, would be reading aloud from Elizabeth Elliot. Mm. And so, some of the ones that were impactful to me, uh, certainly Win- Wilfred Grenfell mm. and Hudson Taylor would be in there. Even, and maybe this would almost seem off topic, but even Ernest Shackleton was mm. really impactful to me. Yeah. In part because for me, the, the journey of missions has always had a strong connection to adventure. It's always for me had a sense of freshness and newness and, and a pioneering spirit to yeah. it. Amen. And so some of those people who were willing to go to extremes and, and make kind of big big sacrifices commitments that appealed to me always in the books that i heard amen amen it's amazing what the printed page can do how the holy spirit can use that and you mentioned ernest shackleton i love that story and the courage of that man he failed right he failed in what he set out to do but he succeeded in doing something that no one else probably could ever have done that may be a good metaphor for parenting and missions right Your wife and my wife, for my wife, felt like she found a real friend. And there was something about your wife that that I think resonated with my wife, and that was the joy and the delight in being a wife, being a mom, and of course being involved in missions and serving the Lord together. But she just has a glow in her countenance. She seems happy. She's happy to be where she is, being your wife and being the mother of your children. And having said all that, uh, you've been married now for 14 years and four children, and you've been on the foreign mission field for 10 years together. And whenever I see a picture of your wife, whether it's on Facebook or in a prayer letter, she's smiling and it doesn't seem put on. I know, I know that there's there's bad days (laughs) in any marriage, but I want to know this and, and I think I know the answer, but... But there are some dads, there are some husbands that probably could use some encouragement here. What's your secret? As her husband, Warren Wearsby said years ago, a good man will keep his wife beautiful. So what's your secret, Jonathan, as far as how would you encourage other dads to lead their wives to follow Christ with joy? You know, there was one really strong lesson for me when we were getting ready to come here to Thailand. And we had never visited Thailand before. We both were committed to the idea of being missionaries on a foreign field. But I I took things at a pace, this would have been back in 2011, I took things at a pace that really was not accounting for her input. Mm. And I left a very comfortable job in Oregon at the time and basically had a garage sale and sold off all of our stuff. And... I had our entire year of deputation basically scheduled out. And just before that, we were going to visit Thailand for 28 days. Mm. And the first six days of that trip were just really, really awful because I had not, I had not gone about that process with wisdom Mm. and with thoughtfulness and with prayer Mm. that resulted in my wife for the next it was just over a year in between having homes in Oregon and then having a home here. And every day of that time, Elisa was praying for her own heart to be able to settle. And by the time we finished that trip to Thailand, the Lord really had made confirmation for both of us of our ability to 
to live here and to minister here and to find joy in life here. Mm. But it was a, a pretty strong, it remains for me a pretty strong reminder of the necessity of walking together, not getting too many steps ahead of huh. where my wife's heart is. Mm. She really, I think, her heart was so ready by the time we got here because she put so much time and thought into preparation. And I think it highlights a little bit like the difference between us in our devotional lives. I would describe my devotional life as probably more like what you would draw up if you just read a book like The Power of Habit. Mm. Just kind of, I get a lot of joy, a lot of meaning out of just the regular routines and rhythms of that. Mm -hmm. Her devotional life is a lot more impacted by like Oswald Chambers or A.W. Tozer, Uh other people who are really calling for a closeness in the walk with Christ, an intimacy in the walk with Christ. Mm. And honestly, you know, we learn from each other in that. We support Mm. each other in that because our strengths are different. We, We lean on each other for that. And I know this, because we're on the other side of the world from our families, because there's some level of isolation I know own heart has to be steady mm. through my walk with God. Right. I think that I try to deal with my own turbulence, my own spiritual, emotional turbulence, without letting that shake the people around me, mm. especially in, in a situation where we are. Right, right. Very good. So you're both walking with God. And your walk with God, if you were to write it down or if someone were to follow you for a week with an iPhone camera, your walk with God, your walk with God and your wife's walk with God look different, but you're both walking you, with God yeah, and you're walking sure. together. Right, yeah. right. So I'm also hearing you say we've got to keep our own hearts before we can really tend well to our families. For sure. You know, <laughs> men and women are different and one of the one of the responsibilities that God gave men with our role is to be steady and the faith and the devotional life of a father has to provide stability Mm. that that will weather seasons you know any family is going to go through a lot of different seasons and I've seen in so many cases where it's the strength and the stability of a father's walk with God Mm. that allows the family to navigate and to weather those different times. Mm. Amen. Amen. You and I have discussed this before. I want to share it with our listeners. It's the concept that we have to minister to our own souls before we can minister to anyone else, and you just said that really well. And as someone who has flown across the Pacific as many times as you have, and other places too, um, you would be very qualified to talk about the illustration that we've discussed, that that phrase that you've heard, that anyone that's flown has heard in that airplane safety demonstration, secure your own mask before helping someone else with theirs. And I think that's really a great illustration of our walk with God, of our spiritual life. So can you talk a little more about that concept and what it means and how that applies to husbands and fathers? Just expand a little more on what you just said already. Yeah, we live in an age where there's a great deal of the abdication of the role that God has given to us. Mm -hmm. And I think there are challenges in every age of mankind. Mm. And a great challenge for, for young men, for men of my age, when the role that God has given us as a father, as a husband, as a man, 
when that has been diminished in so many segments of society, it takes real courage to lean into not a machismo and not not a facade definition of what manhood is, but mm. the strength of manhood. Yeah, which means that there's a depth of character, and we do have the responsibility to other people, but the way that we're best suited to care for our families is when our own spiritual lives, our own spiritual walk Hmm. is regular and steady and faithful. And then we're able to, by example, lead others into a similar closeness and intimacy Hmm. with Christ. Amen. That word you just said, I think, really sums up well the whole thing. Example. Example. Right, right. Absolutely. We have to have a life that matches what we stay. That's right. Uh, yeah. uh, you were talking about my four kids, and each of my four kids at different ages also have vastly different personalities and uh, different things that they struggle with. Mm. And before this past school year, we chose for each of my four children, we chose a specific word that we felt was the most important thing for that individual child to focus on. Mm. I'm not going to go too deeply into Mm -hmm. that that in particular, but Mm -hmm. at that moment where I was, I was observing certain things in my children. I was observing what my children needed and the Holy Spirit instantly struck me with my own word for myself. Mm. And, and what that was for, for me in this particular season, because I have gone, I, I've had quite a stretch of season where life is full, you know, you can kind of call this like the bottleneck of life, yeah. where I've got probably as much responsibility on my shoulders as ever I will in one sense, or as much variety of responsibility. Mm. And the kind of word that the Holy Spirit had for me was intimacy with Christ Mm. because I had over the past season allowed my devotional life to become, I wouldn't say mundane. I Mm. wouldn't say just wrote, but I felt the Holy Spirit calling me into more openness to experience closeness with Christ Mm. and the reality that we are connected to him, that we are abiding in Christ. Mm-hmm. And so at the very time where I was really focused on the season ahead for my kids and I was looking at what they needed and I was really trying to give them what they needed, I felt like the Holy Spirit kind of put the brakes on me for a second mm-hmm. after that and brought it right back around to me and pointed out exactly how I needed connection with Christ. Mm-hmm. And um, it, it was it was convicting, but also encouraging. because I know that our Heavenly Father cares for us and He can point out our weaknesses to us and help us to identify the ways that we need to grow. Yeah, that's very helpful. It's a rebuke to me, but also encouraging. I get the feeling probably that there are a lot more dads out there that that's going to resonate with when they hear this. Very helpful to me. Thank you. Uh, So on most days, Jonathan, what does this look like in your life as far as the Holy Spirit, you feel, pointed that out to you, that you need to pursue more personal intimacy with Christ, not merely going through the rote, through the routine of devotions or Bible reading, prayer, but um, pursuing the fellowship with the Lord. What does that look like on a daily basis for you? I learned about myself a few years ago 
that I actually, when I'm taking in scripture, I tend to take it in, there's certain times where I need a written copy of the word of God in front of me. I need to be able to mark it out. Mm. But I personally listen and I interact with scripture mentally when I'm hearing it Mm. as well as any other media and Mm. probably better. Mm. So that's my daily routine is hearing scripture. Mm. And then for me, in terms of practices that bring more of that, that level of intimacy, I love when I'm here at the church on my own, I love to walk into the room where we meet for worship. And there's something about having the freedom to do that. That's a place for me mm-hmm. where I can walk in and leave other things and other distractions. And I, I tend to find that I can go emotionally to a deeper level in prayer mm. when I when I have that focused, quiet place, actually mm. a sanctuary, a literal yeah. sanctuary mm. that I'm able to spend time. And I, I find this, I have to put myself physically into a place where I won't be distracted in mm. order to really and spiritually be open mm-hmm. to the kind of connection with the Heavenly Father that, that we're talking about mm-hmm. here. It mm. doesn't just happen with devices around. It doesn't yeah. just happen in cluttery spaces or crowded spaces at all. I have yeah. to physically put myself into a, a clean, quiet space in order for that to work. Mm-hmm. I have experienced that as well in church planting overseas and, and here in Hawaii when I can get into that room. And it's interesting you mention it as a sanctuary. Yeah. I never thought of it that way, but the room where we actually preach and worship the Lord together as a church family, as a church body. When there's no one else in that room, sometimes that is one of the best places for me to just be quiet with God and spend time with Him. And it's something I I find myself going back to my preaching. It's not usually necessarily in my notes, but I find myself reminding my little flock that God has entrusted to me that we need to spend time with God. We simply need to spend time with God. And that's what our wives need from us. That's what our children need from us. And that's what we need from our Father in heaven. I like what you said about you can't get that with with the distractions of devices and busyness around. When we think about securing our own mask first, that idea, I often think about what Hebrews 7 says says about the high priest. And of course, it's contrasting the Lord Jesus Christ with the Old Testament Levitical high priest. But there's a really interesting statement about the high priest there in Hebrews 7.27. It shows how God instructed the Old Testament high priest to offer first for his own sins and then for the people's. And whenever I see that, it just strikes me. That's really a picture for us who are in any kind of leadership, but especially husbands and fathers. And we have to take care of our walk with God. And really, it goes back to a man's got to be sure he is right with God. His sins are forgiven. He's saved before he can even consider leading his family God's way. Yes, sir. Especially with, with kids, they know the reality that exists behind our words. Mm. And they can sniff out, they can smell out. If we are not leading from the front, Mm. they will immediately recognize 
something that's disingenuine. I also think of an old illustration that I read in a book from Robert E. Lee. And uh, the way that I remember it was that he was teaching a younger officer and he laid a rope on the desk and had the officer first attempt to push the rope across the desk. And of course, that didn't work. The rope, you know, the rope was just floppy that way. (laughs) And then he secondly had the officer pull the rope across Mm. the desk. And he used that to say, when you're leading from the front, then everything that you're trying to lead can follow after based on that example. That's good. Wow. He was a wise man. A few years ago, you introduced a book to me, The Intentional Father. You sent me a link, I think, for the audio book, which I listened to, and then I got the book as well. And that book deeply impacted my perspective on how I prepare my sons for life. Could you give dads who aren't familiar with that book just a a few snapshots to introduce them to it and let them know how it's influenced your thinking and your practice and also same time anything to be aware of yeah i i would say this you know i've got probably a dozen books in that section from dobson and eldridge and douglas wilson and and others uh steve ferrar has a, has a book in that section about how a man needs to lead his son into fatherhood mm. and i think every one of those books every one of those authors has something of value to add to the discussion mm. But like you said, we don't we don't subscribe ourselves to every single viewpoint that they have about other things. Mm-hmm. That particular book, I don't know if this analogy would, would make sense, but I, I think this, as the power of habit is to atomic habits, in the same way I would relate Eldridge's way of the wild heart to the intentional father, where I think there was a foundational work that came beforehand and then because there was a foundational work beforehand that allowed for someone to come after and really build on that and really flesh out the specifics, mm. really flesh out a very clear picture, a very clear actionable picture. Mm. What the intentional father offers is insight on what's going through the heart and mind of a young man as he comes through adolescence and as he searches for his identity Mm. as a man and as a man of God. And it offers some really solid practices on how to meet the needs of a young man Mm. in that age so that he can move into manhood with confidence. He doesn't have to blunder and and find his own way. One of the most encouraging lines for me that I've heard Tyson speak is he says, fathers, you can get this right. Mm. And it was... Yeah, I mean, it, it was really like emotionally impactful for me because mm. <laughs> everywhere it, it seems like when people talk about fatherhood, they want to always throw in a lot of disclaimers and mm. among those disclaimers. I, I can't tell you how many times I've heard people say something to the effect of like, well, nobody's ever really going to get it right. <laughs> and it feels so demotivating to me. Yeah. It, it feels like, well... I mean, I have a 10-year-old and a 12-year-old boy. I've got to get it right. Amen. Yeah. (laughs) And it was really encouraging for me to hear John Tyson say, yeah, you can get it right. Mm. This is how. This Mm -hmm. is what's needed. These are the practices that ought to be part of your daily living and your weekly routines Mm -hmm. and habits and how you should be launching them into into manhood. Mm Mm-hmm. 
So I would highly recommend the book. Yeah. And, you know, I think everybody can kind of do their own sort of sifting through mm. ideas and doctrines and so forth. Sure, sure. Well, I think that's something I've, I've really appreciated about you over the past few years. You know, we've been talking a lot more, I guess, ever since COVID, when it's funny because COVID in some ways caused some of us to communicate more. Now, you're in Thailand, I'm in Hawaii. Right. And, uh, when I lived on that yeah. side of the world, we hardly communicated. And then um, yeah. it wasn't until probably around 2020 that we really began talking a lot with our Band of Brothers group. Yeah. And... Um, Right. We don't talk every day, and not even every week, maybe every other week on average, I would say. Something I have really, really come to appreciate in you, and it's really had an influence on, on me, is the variety of books that you read. You and I both are I independent. That. Yeah. You and I both are independent Baptists, and there is a very small body of literature that's produced by people in what would be called our circle in, sure. in a general sense. And um, back in um, about 15 years ago, I was listening to a pretty well-known pastor saying, you guys should not read those guys over there. You need to read. And he named someone who is pretty well-known in our circle from 40, 50 years ago, <laughs> who's been dead for 30 or 40 years. I mentioned that to my dad, and my dad has mentioned this idea and I'm, he wasn't trying to be negative, just point out the reality that if you only read people that, that agree with you or that agree with your group, you're going to suffer from inbreeding, mental right. inbreeding. No doubt. And that sounds scary. <laughs> um, yeah. But I really appreciate it that when you recommend books to our band of brothers, you recommend books to me, you say, hey, this book here, this book there. And they are from a doctrinal, sometimes from a doctrinal perspective that is little out here or little out there. But but what I appreciate is that you are trusting that we have the sense as men who have a Bible in our hand to look at those books and say, okay, here's the meat and here's the bones. And have the good sense to spit the bones out and and swallow the meat and chew on it and think about it and put it into practice as it fits us. You know, my fear would be, in relation to this discussion, my fear for myself and maybe my fear for others would be more of a complacency. And when I hear, I, I think, there, you know, there's certainly a need for caution in the ideas that we really embrace. But sometimes when I hear people really, really unwilling to read broadly, mm. it just reminds me that as readers, we, we can't become complacent. As readers, we have to be willing to engage with, and, and this goes directly to the idea of putting on our own masks before assisting others Mm. we want our minds to be sharp Mm -hmm. and there can be a certain dullness of the mind either from not reading or from only reading that which we already know or that which we already agree with yeah and we're never allowing ourselves to be challenged right to to actually do the work of sifting out and refuting what somebody else is putting out there in, in their position then I, I think we expose ourselves to a certain amount of mental atrophy that we would then become unfit to help the people that we're supposed to help. Absolutely. Really to say that we don't read anything that's not exactly like us or very close to our way of thinking is not only limiting, 
but it's almost like saying, don't go to the store. Don't talk to someone. Don't, don't, don't talk to people that you don't know. I mean, it makes about as much sense. My brother-in-law, combat veteran, Marine Corps, I think he served under General Mattis. And General Mattis said, America has to have friends. America has to have allies. And he was not saying we have to agree with him completely. He was not saying that we have to have the same political goals, but we have to have allies in this world that we live yeah. in. And I thought that's exactly true. And it's true for us as dads who need to have mental allies <laughs> um, giving us instruction. So, you know, John Tyson, who wrote The Intentional Father, um, he's coming from a doctrinal perspective that you know, I probably wouldn't ever attend his church. But that book was very helpful to me. And as my family's protector, God gave me the good sense to throw out what's not good sense and and hang on to the wisdom. Yeah. That's There's a lot of wisdom in that book. So for you've sure. been a good example in that, Jonathan. I appreciate that. Well, Jonathan, thanks for joining us for this podcast. Is there any last thought you'd like to share with the dads who are listening, be an encouragement as they lead their families? Well, you know, we look at the world right now. We live in a corner of the world where the majority of people around us are Buddhist. Hmm. Uh, in my town, I would have to meet 200 people statistically uh, to encounter someone who is not a Buddhist. Hmm. And it, it strikes me as I'm, as I'm ministering to Buddhist people, as I'm leading Buddhist people to Christ, that there's a certain cultural water that a Buddhist person swims in. Hmm. And they, they don't always realize it until somebody from the outside points it out. Mm. But that same thing can happen to us. We have a culture mm. and the, the cultural water that we swim in, unless we have an outside perspective to point that out to us, yeah. it's mm-hmm. unlikely that we would be able to see our own uh, blind spots, that mm. we would be able to identify our own weaknesses. But that's exactly what a good book really does. Right. Uh, if we're if we're reading well, if we're reading broadly, if we're reading prolifically, mm-hmm. then that will cut away our rough edges. It will sand away our rough edges. It will show us our blind spots. Mm. So I encourage everyone to lead the way and lead their family in reading mm-hmm. and doing it with good intention. Amen. Jonathan, thank you. You've taken a good bit of your day to talk with me, and I appreciate it. Well, it's been a joy, really. It's a topic I like to talk about and a person I like to talk with, so it's been nothing but joy. (laughs) And that conversation between Jonathan Ballou and me was recorded late last year. And I want to thank you, listeners, for tuning in and and sticking with us throughout that conversation, a bit longer than most other episodes. But I'm so thankful for all the good content that Jonathan so freely passed on to us, things that he has gleaned through his years in reading, in being a dad, in serving the Lord as a missionary. And there were two thoughts, there were many thoughts that he mentioned that I hope you'll go back and listen to the conversation again and glean for yourself from some of the wisdom that Jonathan shared with us. But there were two really key thoughts that I hope we all will remember and live by. First of all, 
we have got to put on our own mask first. We've got to make sure that we are walking the way that God wants us to walk, walking with God ourselves before we can expect our wives and children to walk in God's ways. We have to make sure that we are right with God before we can lead others to be right with God. And fellow dads, I I hope that's true for you. I hope you are right with God. I hope that your sins are forgiven. I hope that you are trusting Christ alone to be your Lord and Savior. And I hope that you're following him as best as you know how. The second really important thought that Jonathan shared with us is this. We have got to read widely. And by reading widely, I mean, and I think he meant, a little bit outside of our comfort zone. Now, that doesn't mean go and get into things that are ungodly. It doesn't mean get into literature or material that is going to detract from your fellowship with Christ. But material that might be from a slightly different viewpoint than you hold dear, it might be from a doctrinal viewpoint that is different from yours, and yet there may be some value in the book that makes it worthwhile. And he mentioned a couple of those books like that, and many of the authors that he mentioned, I would say, I disagree with some of their doctrinal perspectives on some issues, but when it comes to the issue of manhood or fatherhood or being a husband, some of those authors are spot on and worth our reading. And so let me encourage you to hang on to those two thoughts. Number one, put your own mask on first, and number two, read widely. And then again, go back and listen to this conversation and jot down some of the thoughts that come to your mind as you also jot down some of the wisdom that Jonathan shared with us. Let me invite you to come over to treasureboxbooks.com, look up episode 30, and look at some of the quotes that Jonathan gave us. Look at some of the books and authors that he recommended and listed, and I hope it will be a blessing to you. Now, concerning the prayer request that I shared in episode 29 concerning my mother's health situation, this cloud does have actually several silver linings, one of which is that as of last Wednesday, the day after we published episode 29, the report came in from the biopsy. And that report shows that, yes, she does still have cancer, but it's not the kind of cancer that the first diagnosis stated. And so we're very thankful for that. In God's kind providence, so many factors have fallen into place that led them to a specific cancer treatment center. Mom has been accepted as a patient there, and Lord willing, she will be headed that way very soon. So we are thankful for your prayers And uh, we do ask you to continue to pray for my mom. I I know that many of you have prayer requests and have burdens, and 
it may be asking a lot to to ask you to add this to your list of concerns to pray for. But if you would, and if you think of us, please pray for my mom, Mrs. Ching, for God's protection, God's comfort, God's healing hand upon her. And if you have something that you would like to have other dads pray about, or you'd like for me to pray about with you, uh, shoot me an email at nathan at treasureboxbooks.com, and I would be honored to join you in prayer. I pray that each one of you has a wonderful week walking with God and leading your family to do the same. If you heard something helpful today or feel better equipped to lead your family, maybe you have a friend who could benefit from this episode too. Don't keep it to yourself. Hit share in your podcast app or take a screenshot of this episode and share it with a friend. Or just post a link on Facebook to treasureboxbooks.com and let your friends know that this episode might encourage them. You can find any links and resources mentioned today on the episode page linked below or just head over to treasureboxbooks.com and sign up to get our newsletter to keep you informed about future episodes and product releases. And if you've got a book recommendation or experience or idea you'd like to share with other dads, send me an email. My address is nathan at treasureboxbooks.com. I'd love to hear from you. Until we meet again, keep leading your family to find the treasures in books. <laughs>